Do you love racing? Then you've come to the right place. We discuss current topics in most asphalt series, as well as deep dives into the history of racing, race cars, and the drivers. I'm NASCAR driver Derek Cope. I share some of my personal stories, as well as highlighting those people that shaped my career and others. I'm Alicia Cope, and we also take on controversial and engaging topics on many subjects, including NASCAR, as well as tips and tricks that have worked for us in building teams from scratch, keeping relationships, and finding new roads. Hopefully our experiences will inspire you to reach your own goals. Let's get started. Welcome back to Race Theory. This is episode 38, and we are discussing a lot of different things, I think, on this episode with relevancy to what kind of happened this past weekend. I think kind of a hot topic in racing and has been for some time, and obviously it uh, stems from the old Chastain <laughs> uh, at work again. So interesting enough, you know, he has been in the news pretty much every weekend, uh, whether it was Xfinity or it is Cup, yeah, or he's pretty quiet in trucks, but that's because he's running the back. But, uh, you know, he has certainly got himself into a position here where, you know, he is, you know, in a position to always be in a, I guess to make a mistake or to cause grief, wreck somebody, you know, do something kind of in character, uh, but it just has kind of, I mean, raised the ear, you know, the ire of everybody at this point in time. Now, I think you're starting to see their patience is now to the point where, you know, they're upset and there's a lot of talk, a lot of rhetoric. Uh, of things that you know need to be done and now you're hearing guys like rick hendrick get involved and so yeah well and i think this has been going on for a long time you drove with ross when he drove for premium so when he was in poor equipment and running at the back of the pack he was still over aggressive for the equipment that he was in you knew when you were you know driving a car that wasn't up to par with the field, you're not going to be making moves that are going to impede somebody else's progress, especially the leaders. And so the mid-pack to the backpack, they complained about Ross all the time when he first started. And I never cared for his attitude. I remember him being on the radio and the spotter even told him, hey, so-and-so's, you know, coming up, they're on the lead lap, you're three laps down, you might want to move to the side. And him coming right back and saying, I'm here to race. I'm not moving aside for anybody. That always struck me as inappropriate for the equipment that you're in. And too arrogant. You're, you're a little too big for your britches if you're saying stuff like that. And that was before he had, you know, made a name for himself at all. So, you know, like you always say, give credit where credit is due. He's definitely proven that he's a good driver. But his attitude's the same. He's, in my opinion, over-aggressive, over-assertive in situations where he does need to maybe step aside or just give a little bit so that he doesn't cause an issue for the majority of people that are around him. I think my problem with, I mean, personally, I think you got to give him a lot of credit because he has performed well in the car. And you got to give Trackhouse a lot of credit. That team and that company is doing very well. They're running, you know, strong. They're spending a lot of money too. Well, they are, but you know, a lot of people are, but they are, you know, 
they are running very competitively, uh, both him and Suarez, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. And I think, you know, and you can, with this car, you can see that there are a lot of major entities, you know, struggling and they're making inroads. And I think you just have to give a credit to the, the people at track house and the engineers and everybody. And they seem to have, you know, stumbled or, or, you know, worked hard and come on to something that is, is working every week. And, they're doing a good job, you know. The one thing that I have a problem with with Ross is he doesn't he doesn't take ownership in the in the mistakes or what he causes or the the correct. You know, he doesn't, I would agree. He takes he has no ownership. He's kind of got this, you know, passive aggressive sort of like mentality of like you know I have a lot to learn and I'm still doing all this and he uses this as a passive thing and then. You know, at the same time, get the smirk on his face, and he's trying to pretty much say, "Oh, you know, you gotta have to swallow it because nobody's doing anything about it." Well, he's kind almost condescending. Smug, this smug, condescending, you know, way about him. Yeah, right? he's almost condescending to the reporters, um, the trackside reporters who ask, "Hey, what do you think about this altercation that you had between you and so and so?" Well, you're talking to me right now, and I'm just thinking, "Wow." You know, you could at least answer the question like, well, I don't really know until I look at the replay or, oh, sorry about that. Didn't mean to do that. But no, he has to give a condescending answer right back to the reporter. He's almost, I mean, he's getting almost indignant in some of the things that he says now. He'll jump off and sit, go off on an indignant deal. And then he kind of like comes back off that and, you know, kind of fades that back into being, you know, some, somewhat, you know, calm and, and, and I guess subdued about it. But yet he just, he never ever says that. Yeah. I mean, I went in there and I drove it up in there and I just took all the room. I was going to make him get out of the gas and it didn't work out. You know, I mean, he's never, ever just flat said that he's done this. And I think that in my opinion, I mean, if you want to start, you know, saying, well, you know, this kid, you know, is, you know, I've heard all this stuff, you know, and now he's like an intimidator and all that. And I'm like, that's a crock. You know, I mean, for, I mean, there is no way that this guy is even remotely capable of doing that. No Dale Earnhardt Sr. fan is going to allow that label to go. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, anyways, I mean, I just, I just don't, I just don't agree with the way that he, you know, comes off and he tries to not take ownership and just, you know, say, Hey, look, you know, own the fact that you wrecked somebody own the fact that you hit the guy in the ass and, and wrecked him. And then he got, you know, and, and it caused it, you know, take uh, the next guy out of it. Right. So you're doing all of these things that somehow, and again, I guess the part that I guess probably sickens the most of these people is the fact that. He's getting away with these things, but he's wrecking other people. Other people are having the problems, and he's like getting away scot free. He always seems to kind of, yeah, he always ends up the golden boy for some reason. But I think, you know, karma happens. Uh, it's going to turn around. You know, well, everyone's going to get there just to. You look at the, a lot of the stuff that's happened on the past. So guys have, you know, said this and said that, and they've talked a lot of stuff, Denny Hamling being one. And, you know, he's done nothing. I mean, realistically, he's done nothing. So, I mean, you kind of like the boy that cries wolf, you know, you can keep saying all you want to say, but until you flat do something, you know, even if it takes you out of the race or whatever, you know, I think now that he's won a race, he can probably, he can afford to do something like that. Well, Kyle Larson certainly pushed him um, down the track a little bit longer than probably what was necessary. So I think he's definitely gaining the displeasure of the front runners. And I think that's the difference is before he could piss off anybody mid-pack, backpack, you know, lap cars, and he's not going to get the attention of the media, and no one's going to do anything about it because he was in better equipment. But now that he is running toe-to-toe with the high echelon teams, that's where things are going to start turning. And he's, 
one of these days, you know, playing with the uh, with the big. Well, he is he is a big team. He is a big boy now. But I think now that he's in their sandbox, it's only a matter of time before something big's going to happen. Well, it already happened this weekend. I think, in my opinion, if you look at what transpired, I think this weekend kind of kind of like it escalated to a point now where there was a lot of vocal uh, activity of basically Rick Hendrick taught, you know, calling out Chevrolet about this kid, about this uh, situation and how it's, you know, is Chevrolet going to do something about it? Right. Because basically if you're not, we are, it's like, we are not, you know, we want to be a collective effort on the Chevrolets to mount charges and, you know, run, win, you know, uh, uh, championships and things like that. But if this is the kind of kid, this is the way that he's going to conduct himself, well, then I think everybody else is going to take it upon themselves to end his misery. And I think, you know, him trying to win a championship, um, it won't happen if he can, it continues to go this direction. I think, you know, but I mean, I said that last year and look what happened. He got to the end and had a, really a shot to do it, you know, and nobody really ever did anything um, last year. So I just say shame on you guys. You know what I mean? As far <laughs> as that goes, somebody, you know, you got to have some balls here and somebody's going to have to take the, you know, the bull by the horn here and, uh, you know, put this kid where he, where he belongs, you know, and his place. Okay. Well, enough about Chastain. Um, but anyways, I just said, I think that this weekend, it really went a lot further because there was a lot of, you know, he was trying to win or he had to win. He has to win a race. I think he's, you can sense the escalation in the necessity for him to win a race because that gets him into the playoffs. Right. And when he really wanted that win, obviously Darlington is a big racetrack. It's a major win, you know, to win at Darlington. Neither one of him or Kyle Larson had one there. So there's a lot, you know, of, you know, anxiety of what, you know, trying to get that done at the end. And I think they both were, you know, and they both got opportunities, restart after restart, trying the inside of the outside, trying to figure out how they were going to manipulate the end of that thing and, you know, make the other guy get out of the gas. And neither of them gave. And then it ended up into a, a poor result for both. But I think it just really did kind of when you got when you got, you know, Rick Hendrick, uh, you know, started to say something, then you can tell that there's a lot of it's a lot of displeasure uh, in all what's happening right now. And I mean, I'm just excited to keep watching and see what happens. You know, you never know. The all star race can get pretty frisky because uh, there's no nothing involved except a million dollars. And, uh, you know, so there can be somebody not take nothing from nobody and park somebody. And, you know, but Wilkesboro, you're not going to, you know, Wilkesboro is not really the racetrack for that. But yeah. anyways. Well, speaking of racetracks, that's a good segue into, we were going to talk a little bit about our favorites and uh, and why. And then some of the old tracks that are coming back um, into play, and obviously North Wilkesboro being one of them. But let's talk a little bit about the Lady in Black because that has always been a favorite of both yours and mine. You definitely have your favorites that are not mine. Um, and I have my favorite that's not yours. But we both agree on Darlington for sure. And we just love the patina of it. We love the fact that it's still one of the oldies but goodies that we've always done well there. And like you say, it's a driver's track. It's a race car driver's track. And so really skill and, you know, how you manipulate a race car comes into play at that track. And it's just big enough to be fast, but it's still small enough to be really technical. And I think that's what 
I love about it. And the fact that it is in South Carolina, I've always loved going down there. The drive down there is always nice. It's close to home. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a flight. And, you know, just staying down there in our bus and in the infield, it was always such an enjoyable experience. Darlington's always been one of those places that I really, I think has so much history that you really were enthralled by it. I know when I first came back here, before I even got a chance to race there, I went and watched a race there from the, the cover of grandstands and sat up there in awe of the place. And just the atmosphere that that place has in the Deep South, it really is iconic. And I think that you get this sense about it, right? And I don't know, I, I remember, I guess the part that really I think was intriguing about it was it was the only place that you had to pass a rookie test. You actually had back in when I was started when I was racing and just getting back to the Cup Series here, they had a rookie test where you had like you know three of your peers you know that you know were there to oversee your uh, and they would have the rookies go out and run you know some laps and you had to run a certain speed and you had to have you know the capabilities to to get these guys to sign off on your uh, license basically to. Uh, to pass the rookie test. Oh, wow. And so not a lot of people really, I think, probably are aware of that. But, you know, that used to be, I think, because of what, how difficult the racetrack was, it was so narrow. And it was one of those places where, you know, really two abreast back in the old days really was not something that they really, you know, you would always have to give way. And, you know, and now it's a little different, you know, because of the grip levels of the cars. But, you know, really, it was a difficult racetrack. And I think Kyle Petty, you know, he was talking on the broadcast quite a bit about the, you know, the intricacies of the racetrack, you know, the way that it was, the property was, and then they had to keep the pond there and they had to put the, the corner, you know, in a more of an egg-shaped deal. One corner is really tight and the other corner is, you know, bigger and more broad. So it changed the complexion of the racetrack simply because of the land ownership. And yeah, not, Farmer Joe didn't want yeah, his yeah, uh, yeah. fishing pond so, yeah, to be taken pond. out. The middle pond. Middle you know, pond. You can't yeah. be hurting the middle pond. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just got a lot of unique things, you know, about its, you know, its infancy and uh, the reasoning behind it and why it is what it is. But, you know, you think about how many cars they used to race on that, how they started, used to run on the flat there, didn't really go up on the banking. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's just been around a long time and you have that kind of, you know, rich history. Um, it's one of those races that you really, you want to win, you run and run good at, but it's a difficult place. A lot, not a lot of people, you know, master it or really have enjoy or even enjoy it. And it was a place that I truly enjoyed racing at and yeah. I and loved it, it. You always did well there. And even since we've been together running it in the Xfinity, we always had a good finish. And if we had tires, then we really had a good finish. So it's definitely a racetrack that's, that's hard on equipment and hard on tires, but it always treated us well. Yeah. It's and very technical. I always loved it. I mean, guys like David Pearson, I mean, we were just, you know, masters there, right? You know, Elliot obviously was very talented there when the Winston Million there. And, uh, but I, I always loved the racetrack. I really felt like it was one of those deals where you just, you, you had to race the racetrack and you really just, you know, you had to stay on top of your game all day long. And the car, there's so, you know, you have so much tire degradation there and the tires go off. I mean, you, you physically would start wearing the tires out, just leaving pit road if you were too aggressive. I mean, that's how, that's how much of a cheese grater the place was, you know? I mean, you just really, you know, you were, from the word go, I mean, you're losing, you know, tenths of a second every lap. And it really was unique and still is today. So I know it's one of my favorites. Uh, you know, I really 
have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I guess interest in what happens there. Every time we go every time there's a race, I enjoy going down there. We enjoy staying there. And, uh, you know, it's in the deep South, but it's just, I guess it's just the atmosphere of this, you know. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't know if it was NASCAR or the network that brought on the legends to go talk. They had Bill Elliott and, and uh, Richard Petty in the, um, in the booth, among others. And, but I really enjoyed listening to them speak and, and uh, you know, give their, their vision of, of how the race was unfolding. And then, you know, a, with the time that they had, I wish they would have, would have had more time, but it was a live race. So they didn't have a whole lot of time to talk about their own stories, but they were able to add a little bit of color from their own days too. Yeah. It's, you know, there's guys like, you know, like the Petties, you know, and, you know, I mean, Yarbrough, you know, Kale's right down the road and Bobby, you know, and all those guys run there. Everybody has, you know, had, you know, something to do with that racetrack and they've been a major part of it. I mean, from the Jarrett's, you know, Ned Jarrett run there, you know, and uh, a lot of, you know, great success there. And uh, so it's, it's just anybody who's anybody that in racing, right, you have come through Darlington and, you know, obviously some of, you know, have got uh, wins and, and stuff there, but it is a, it's a difficult place. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, it's still, is one of the highlights uh, for you know drivers to want to win, and that's why uh, you know it's it's very coveted. All right. And speaking of, what is your favorite racetrack? What is my favorite racetrack? I love Daytona. I, I think, honestly, of Super Speedway, I just love because I guess I won Daytona, obviously as well. But I think in the beginning, before I even went there, when I went there to watch for the very first time, I was just in awe of the place. And after you drive there, I, and I think maybe a lot of guys, you know, don't have that same sense or that feeling, but for me, driving a race car, there's so many elements of the air and the drafting and the maneuvers and not always having the best race car, but being able to find a way to use other people or make other people do the things you want them to do a real chess match in my mind. and. It's one of those places that you learn to really look way ahead at and you're plotting a move all the time and you get the senses of the the motor and what the air is doing on the car and you get all of these things that just go through your body and all your senses and you have to like process all of this information and make moves instant instantaneously. And I just loved that aspect of the restrictor plate racing and even before restrictor plate racing came, you know, when I ran there before restrictor plates, I just love going that fast and the air and the movement. I mean, these cars have a lot of excessive movement and the cars were just like, you know, amazing, almost like they had like a, a you know, a, a pole or a, or a needle stuck through the hood. The car just rotates off of that hood and the back end's loose and, you know, you're chasing the car all the way up and you're trying to stay wide open. And it really is a, an incredible feeling. And I think that's what I got out of it. I just love the sensations that the racetrack gave me. But, you know, I've also been a very, I love Michigan. I love the same since the very first time I ever went there. I mean, I sat on the outside pole and I mean, I loved the place. I've always had success. I felt like it's just suited my driving style and you had a lot of racetrack to use. And, you know, I've well, it is it. similar to Daytona in yeah. its configuration, and that makes sense. So, question from listeners, do you feel about Talladega the same way you do about Daytona? Because I know that's usually not in your top five. 
Well, I do love Talladega. I really enjoy Talladega as well. I love the two super speedways, Daytona Talladega. I love them. I enjoyed being there all the time, racing there, the opportunities. Uh, Talladega was, um, you know, less difficult to drive because of the transitions into the banking, very gradual. You didn't really have the car load up in the banking really quick and quickly and have the abrupt uh, attitude changes. Um, and, you know, the chassis didn't mean quite as much in those days where you really just had to draft your way through. You had to make good choices, stay in the draft, make sure you're very methodical in the way you, you know, pulled out and made choices. Um, but still, I loved going that fast and everything I drove there, cup, cup tr Xfinity trucks. And I had, you know, opportunities to win in pretty much everything when I went to Talladega. So I felt like it was one of those places that I was a factor in a lot of races, had shots to win in everything that I went there with, maybe didn't have it happen, but felt like I did have enough ability to, to make it happen. Just the right circumstances didn't go our way. But um, it's another one that I love to race at, you know. But Daytona is more difficult. It is. Yes. Okay. And so my favorite racetrack is Bristol. I love the visual of it. I love how fast and, and how fast of a short track it is. And even though I like speed and I like speedways, I really do love Bristol. And I always have fell in love with it. It was the second race that I had gone to. And just the visual of standing in the middle of that soup can and looking straight up into the sky and seeing all of those people and the banking is just insane. The cars going around and of course it was a night race so that's even more dynamic and the sound they don't call it thunder for nothing because it is absolutely just bone cracking the way the sound hits your chest and even with headphones on it is just surreal the sound on the restart and the it was concrete at one time was it not asphalt asphalt it was asphalt it it was it was such a a loud sound of the cars going around the track i would take my headphones off on the restarts and it was almost like being at a concert in front of the speakers with the sound reverberating through your body it it really is a feeling and a sight to behold and so when people say What's the best track to go to? What's the first you know race that I should go to? And I always say you should go to Bristol, especially if they're in this area because it's close to home and it definitely has uh, a huge impact. And I think they've done a good job with keeping that racetrack um, kept up. And it just uh, it feels like no other track. There is no other track with that feel. I think, in my opinion, you know Bristol. I enjoyed Bristol when it was asphalt, much like Dover. I, you know, I wanted Dover, um, but it was asphalt. And I enjoyed racing on the bias ply tire better than I do the radio. Uh, I enjoyed Bristol a lot more, uh, and I enjoyed Dover a great deal more when it was asphalt uh, and with those tire combinations. But I still love you know, to race both those places because you manipulate a race car there. You have to physically drive a race car extremely hard, which I love to do. And it's, you know, it's, it's an enjoyable place to race. It's just 
Bristol is one of those places where it just seems like you're you're always going to get wrecked. You know, it seems like, and you always, you know, that's the worst part about it. And especially when you start owning your own equipment, and you had to do that. It became less enjoyable just simply because you're trying to survive and not, and you only had so many cars. And then, you know, so the whole dynamic changed for us. I think when we own our own stuff, when you drive for somebody and you are just paid to drive and you are, you know, just bring back the steering wheel, win it, bring back the steering wheel. Don't worry about what happens. It's a whole different mindset and you race differently and you can enjoy it more. But when you have something to lose and you can't afford it, you know, then the whole dynamic changes and, you know, it's less enjoyable that way. But I think the one thing that's changed about Bristol that you you probably didn't even get a chance to witness either was when in our heyday at Bristol, when it was like five years in advance for ticket sales sold out, there was a, it, were, it was filled, it was sold out 165,000 people there within a half mile radius. I mean, the stands go straight up, a true Coliseum. And that's, I mean, there's something about when you have 165,000 people there, I mean, that's two Super Bowls. And they're in the same venue. The lights in are flashing. In a half mile. In a half mile. The, I mean, the, like you talk about the sound, you can hear the crowd. I mean, I mean, all the lights flashing. It is something to behold. And I mean, the atmosphere. If you can't get excited about starting a race and driving a race car at Bristol with 165,000 people there, you aren't going to be excited. because. That's something that you just well, even from hair a spectator, in the back of your head. Next. Yeah, even from a spectator. And I was a sponsor my first Bristol night race in August, sitting on the pit box and hearing the roar and seeing the lights and, you know, hearing the cars thunder by. Um, yeah, just the, uh, it literally felt like you were in a stadium that was going straight up um, and it just word in front of you. If it, it was almost, um, it was almost as if you were going to get dizzy if you did not fixate on one thing. If you even tried to move your head from right to left, you were going to get vertigo. Oh, exactly. If you, if you were in the pits and you on top of the pit box and you try to stay watching a car come off a two and go down the back straight away and turn around and turn halfway through, turn three and four and then come back around pretty soon you're dizzy and you're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I got to stop doing that. You know, I better just keep, you know, you need to kind of like move your head and you see him come off at two. You just kind of move your eyes and watch him go into three and you stop because it will get you dizzy. I mean, and you just think about the drivers. I mean, you're talking 500 laps around that place, right? I mean, you are doing it. You're, it is a long race, a long time in a race car, and there is no rest. Without cautions there, you, I mean, you got to work. And you got to stay up on top of the wheel and you got to dig every lap. And it is really, it takes a lot of mental and physical preparation to run hard for that, for that length of race. And like, you know, all of the, uh, the fans love it for the bumping and banging, you know, of Bristol. But honestly, I didn't go into, as car owners, when we would go into Bristol, I wasn't near as um, afraid of ruining our equipment there as I was at other tracks. It seemed like we'd always come back from Dover with a wrecked car or Richmond with a wrecked car. That track seemed to to treat us well as well. And um, you seem to get through it, you know, we obviously with donuts, but uh, not complete, you know, car crash. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always enjoyed racing there side by side. I mean, I love the, you know, 
the the way the thing loads up and the banking and how you really, you know, and the car turns out and, you know, and gets in yaw and you drive back in the gas and you're in the gas before you just got to say it's okay. Like when you, when you're, when you get ready to get back in the gas, you just get right back in the gas, especially qualifying. You're like in the gas and the car hasn't even really turned yet. You're just to say, it's going to turn and I'm going to go back to the gas. Back when we were running that, that race and you were driving in the corner there, you'd be, I mean, it's just as the car, as soon as the car would just land and set, you'd be back in the gas and you just say, uh, it's going to turn and you, you're just doing all you can to get it to turn. Right. And then you battle the exit. A very unique way of racing that place. And, you know, Dover was much one of those places. I enjoyed Dover's because it was like, same thing. The straightaways were banked. This place, you drive off a hill, like you just fall off a cliff and drive down the bank into the corner and the car just loads up so hard. And you're back in the gas before you even have the car turn, saying the car's going to turn off of the throttle. And then when back when we were, it was asphalt and you had stagger, you were, you were making the car turn off of getting back to the gas. As soon as you got back to the gas, the car would turn and then you would manipulate the throttle to get the get car uh, to turn all the way off the corner. So the whole way you drove the car was quite, quite different. And I enjoyed that and had a lot of success doing that and felt like that, you know, it was a place that you could overdrive a car. You could make the difference up by being aggressive and being a hard driver in the corner, manipulate the car. And, and, you know, obviously I won there and, uh, in a, in a, in a dominating fashion. And that just fueled the fire, you know, that, you know, that when you can win at a place like Dover, you know, and the same like Bristol or Darlington, you're, it's saying something, you know, I mean, the, the talent's there and, you know, you had a good car that day and you all made good choices. Yeah. Yeah. It's more, just as much the driver at a place like that as it is the car. So, and although I do enjoy, um, super speedways as well, um, I can't say Daytona, I have a love hate relationship with Talladega is very, very exciting because it is very fast, but, uh, Michigan has to be one of my favorites as well. It's, it's, as far as speed goes, it is, it is a very dynamic place. So, um, here's the next question. What is your least favorite track? Well, my least favorite, I, I, I don't really know. Um, I'd have to think about that for a little bit. You know, I, I would, if before this, it would have been easy. It would have been Wilkesboro, uh, for me. I just, I guess for me, I, I run the short tracks. I mean, I grew up on the short tracks. I mean, that's how you cut your teeth. That's how you get your experience. Right. And I, to get to cup, I felt like the reason you came to cup was to go fast and to run the big racetracks, the super speedways. So when you go to the short tracks- Although you did enjoy Martinsville. I loved Martinsville. Yeah, I loved Martinsville. You know, Wilkesboro was one of those places that I just really didn't truly enjoy. I didn't know if I didn't really, we just never really ran that well there. Uh, you know, I guess when you don't really run that well there, you don't seem to really like it. And people, you know, you, you talk poorly about it. But, you know, I just never really- enjoyed it as much right and i think that was one of my least favorites at the time um and you know but most of all the other racetracks i really truly enjoyed to go to i i think that was probably one of my one of my least favorites you know and again watkins Glen was a place that i really didn't really enjoy watkins Glen. you always said it didn't fit your eye yeah. although you did run well there well i always ran well there i mean even you know, you know earlier in the cup deals i always had good finishes there i always seemed to you know 
have it with whatever equipment I had. We always seem to finish well. I have some of our best finishes, even some of the real modest equipment that I went up there with. You know, we always seem to run Except well. Except for the explosion day. Yeah, explosion day. But, you know, <laughs> I, but I never, but I, I, you know, I just really just, I just, it wasn't one of my favorite places to go. I'd much rather run Sonoma. I'd really, I'd love to go to Sonoma. I really like going to Montreal and running Montreal. I enjoyed that racetrack. There's just certain places, like you say, like golfing, they fit your eye, you know, and you enjoy turning left or you in turn to the right. So you like the way that the racetrack transitions. There's a lot of little intricacies that you like or you dislike. And you've illustrated it that way before, I know. So that's a really good segue into North Wilkesboro. Going there this weekend with the All-Star Race. So what do you, uh, what do you think about that opening up and, and what do you think the future holds for that track? Well, first of all, I think I want to say that I'm excited about them going back there because I'm a traditionalist. I miss, I do miss the fact that we're not going to Wilkesboro. I miss the fact that we're not going to Rockingham. No, you really loved Rockingham. I loved Rockingham and I miss Rockingham and I wish that it was you know, in a position that it could be back on the schedule because I think it's a great racetrack. It's great. You know, it's in, you know, it's obviously it's in a, an area that maybe hasn't been able to support it as well as it, it, it could. But I think, you know, if you look at it, the sport was starting to dwindle a little bit in, in, in everything at that point in time anyways, and it just was more difficult to support it. And, uh, but yeah, I miss Rockingham. And I think, I'm glad that, that uh, the situations happen where they're going to go to um, Wilkesboro uh, and they put money into it. They put time and energy and, uh, you know, it's got it. It's got a, you know, it's been a long time. I mean, 1996. I mean, I was at the last one and uh, I remember the picture we all took, you know, on the front straightaway. Yeah, we have that picture. And, you know, yeah, it was sad really because I am a traditionalist and I hate to see places go away. I mean, it's just like, Recently, I mean, you know, Yakima Speedway, as of, you know, a couple of years ago, I think 2021, I think Yakima, where I really won all my championships and uh, really learned how to race, you know. Um, and we're talking Yakima, Washington, yeah, listeners. Well, yeah. That's where George Jefferson and all, you know, Jackie Johnson and, you know, all of this really started. And I have fond memories of the place and you to have it go away, you know, like Spanaway Speedway, that's the first place I ever got into a race car and it's gone. So, yeah, I hate to see things change. And I, I guess that's just the way I am. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to watching the race uh, this weekend. I'm looking forward to, I've seen some of the pictures of what they've done there. And I remember what it was like and how you, you know, got there, went in there and did all the things. And when you left there and I mean, the ins and the outs of that place, I'm looking forward to seeing what they've done and how retro it looks, you know, and it's an all-star race. So you know, it's going to be a no holes barred, you know, kind of an extravaganza deal. And everybody's going to be entertaining for sure. It should be very entertaining because, you know, that racetrack, you know, the front straighter where you go downhill and the back straighter where you go uphill, very unique. And uh, I would kind of hope that this kind of sets a precedence, maybe where, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe they would even look at Rockingham for an all star. That's race what I'm hoping. Or something where they would like take it there and then go back to there and, and do a race there, then come back to Wilkesboro. But, you know, spread it around, do a couple of things like that. That would be, you know, I would like to see that, right? But, uh, but yeah, they've, I know they put a lot of money and effort there right now, so uh, we'll see what happens. But should be interesting race this weekend. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of eyes are on the fact that it is, uh, it is a short track and it is a place we 
we miss. And I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people love to be there and uh, it's in our backyard. Yes, it definitely is. Yeah. So, so back in the day, um, talking late eighties, early nineties, when really NASCAR was making a rise, not just being the, you know, Southeastern sport, but was getting national notoriety. There were three uh, North Carolina tracks then. There was Rockingham, North Wilkesboro, and Charlotte, just those three. Mm-hmm. So we've gone from three just down to one. And I guess they really did see the need to spread it around, as you say, you know, get it in other states and get the the populace of the United States more towards the Western side, which, you know, it certainly has done. So I suppose it really did mature you know, the right way. But now, you know, everything vintage is so trending and so popular, you know, as, you know, evidenced by the throwback at Darlington is everybody's favorite. They love going and watching all of those old, you know, paint schemes go by and everyone loves dressing up in in vintage, you know, NASCAR memorabilia. and, And it has, it definitely has its place because when you're looking at all of the modern technology and all of the, you know, newer tracks, it's really nice to go back and, and revisit that. And of course, it wouldn't be, you know, near as, you know, um, special to do it all the time. But I think the fans love it. And I think NASCAR has realized that and the networks have realized that. And so I think they'll be embracing Wilkesboro and and uh, possibly Rockingham. And, you know, who knows, maybe some other lost speedways will come about. Well, I think the interesting thing is if you really put things in perspective, look at the age of like the drivers that are driving right now. Like, and this guy is not really that young, but just think about an Austin Dillon, right? He was six years old when Wilkesboro was run. So he has never, I mean, he was just old enough to actually remember probably going there, right? You think back to like, I know in 1990, when I was running at Daytona, Mike Whitcomb, who was, you know, uh, Bob Whitcomb's son, he and Dale Jr. were like best buddies. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, every, you know, in the, at the old, when the Pure Later car there, I mean, Dale Jr. and Mikey, they were always sitting on the back of the trailer and they were always jacking around, doing things around the <laughs> hauler and, you know, just being playful kids, right? You know, and, you know, he's, you know, he's got his dad's deal over there, but he's over at our hauler because of Mike, you know, and they're up there. And I remember, I remember we uh, we were at Daytona, and you know they're up on top of the 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 trailer, you know, on the observation deck, right? And of course, Steve Peterson uh, was up there. He was our engineer, and he had the computer up there. And this was a funny story because you know, I mean, Steve Peterson ends up being like you know the main guy on safety when you know for NASCAR at that point after that time. But in 1990, he was my engineer, and Dale Jr. knocked his computer off the top of the hauler and broke the computer. <laughs> and you know to this day and computers are pretty expensive and hard to come by I mean, back, back then then you know what i mean <laughs> you know, it was like you know kind of a you know even have nobody had even a cell phone back there in 1990 mm-hmm. so here's dale jr he knocks this uh you know this uh computer off right it was funny we were at i forget which racetrack it was it was you know in the xfinity series and i was running a race and dale jr was running one of them and uh we were up there getting you know getting ready to go to get introduced and he i don't know what he said he he said he would been he was just thinking and about the old times and whatever. And he had a reflection about that very instant, you know, when he, and he asked me, he says, do you remember, you know, D says, do you, I just had, he, I don't know what it was. He says, something happened. He says, something just, I just recalling. Well, it probably of, scared him to death because he was going to get in trouble. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to get time, back to his yeah, dad. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> it was just funny because, 
he just asked me up on the deal. He said, you know, he's, we were talking about, you know, old times and racing and whatever. And, um, and then something, you know, he said something about his, it just happened to like, I don't know how I come across his mind, but he said, I had this reflection about that. He says in that deal at Daytona. And he says, do you remember that? I said, oh yeah, I remember that. He goes, yeah, man, I thought I was going to catch hell on that deal. You know what I mean? He says, yeah, you knocked the computer off the top and it was Steve Peterson. Yeah. He says, yeah. He says, the crazy things that you remember, you know, and I said, you guys were just kids. You know, I said, just loving being at the racetrack and, you know, enjoying the, you know, what you guys were doing together and stuff. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, you, it's just funny that, we're all a lot older now, right? And those are the funny things you remember, right? But that's the thing I just look at right now is all these kids that are driving in the Cup Series right now, even guys that aren't the, like the kids, right? I mean, they they were probably weren't even born or barely born by the time we were running, you know, Wilkesboro, you know, for the last time. Mm -hmm. And so this is something for them to see, uh, you know, that they, they have no, no recollection of anything. You know, probably never even watched a race. There's probably not even on sim. I don't think. I don't know. It's like so. It's something unique that I think is hopefully going to bring out you know more interest in the past of racing, kind of like the you know the throwbacks you know at uh, at Darlington and things like that. So yes, I think that a lot of people have this excitement level because you know, like I said, Austin was six years old when we ran the last race there, right? So it's like they are going to physically get to go back and relive what we did in 1996. For the last time at Wilkesboro. Yep, it will be interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so I think you know, there's a lot of things, like you say, that you know, you get opportunities to reflect on in the from the past. And I think uh, I don't care if you're myself or you're Dale Jr. or you're you know Austin Dillon, you're Kyle Petty. Everybody, I think that did what they did this past weekend at Darlington. You now have an extension this next weekend. And you can listen, you could listen to Kyle and you could let, you know, him talk about the old days, him, cause you know, and the King was talking, you know, about the old times at Darlington, you know, how they looked at things, you know, uh, you know, how racing was, I mean, Kyle went to this very first race, you know, at Daytona, I mean, the very first race, he goes down there and wins, you know, in the Arca race, right now. And he, but he said all the trouble they had getting there, you know, things breaking down, the trailer trucks breaking down. So it's the same old thing we've all experienced, you know, it's like no one was immune to having grief, just trying to get to a race, right? Nobody ever sees that part. They see the glamorous side, you know, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's kind of one of those deals where I think a lot of the people that ran that last race, like you're going to have, I mean, the Sterling Marlins, the Hutt Stricklands, the Michael Waltrips, the Kyle Petty's, you know, the Jimmy Spencer's, um, you know, Bobby Hillen Jr., you know, I mean, Johnny Benson Jr., there's, I can go off and list the names of all the drivers, Lake Speed, all the guys that were there, Ernie Irvin. We ran that last race. I guarantee you, this is one of those races in this coming weekend that everybody is going to be watching. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a reflection, a reflection of what it was like back then, right? You know, racing at North Wilkesboro and then for it to go away and now to come back. Everybody gets to relive some special moments in time that we had there. and the races that we ran, the, the instances we had. I mean, I had some of my biggest conflicts at North Wilkesboro, two. I mean, I had two of the biggest conflicts I ever had in racing at North Wilkesboro. One with Dale Sr. and one with Ricky Rudd. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would, I mean, who don't, who would think, right? I mean, the two biggest times I've ever had, you know, almost, I mean, I had a knockdown drag out with, with Ricky Rudd. 
because he's trying to wreck me at the racetrack and I'm wrecking him. And afterwards he tries to cold cock me and, you know, um, I, I, I catch it before it happens. And then, you know, we just get into a little bit of a, you know, deal. I run him and throw him into a bench. And I'm trying to, you know, trying to kill him. And the other situation was, you know, the Earnhardt story and Earnhardt's running for the championship and we're beating and banging out there. And he's, he's trying, I mean, he's just wrecking, trying to wreck me or tries to wreck me, spin me out. I save the thing, go back, run him back down, hit him, knock him sideways, trying to wreck him. And we go, we do this two or three times. So, so why was he after you? Well, I don't know. He just pissed off, I guess. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, but you know, anyways, I mean, I'm not sure if he, he just, sometimes he, I think he just got into that kind of a, a deal. You know, he was, he was just going to rough you up you know, on a short track. And he's like, you know, you got to kind of take it. Well, he's going to rattle your cage because you're uh, in his way. I wasn't going to take it. And, <laughs> um, and I think Buddy Parrott, you know, come on the radio and said, you know, Hey, you know, you got to knock this off. You know, you know, Childress was like, you know, we need to calm this deal down. Now, you tell Childress to go F himself. I said, I don't care. You know, I said, I'm not running for a championship. He is. And I said, he's the one's got to, you know, better figure it out. So after the race, you know, Dale comes over and kneels by my car. And, you know, I was pretty, you know, I was pretty uh, hot-headed. You, you were pretty then. cocky back then. Yeah, I just one day don't, obviously. And so, you know, I mean, I'm like, I don't care what you think. You know, honestly, I said, I'll tear the roof off this thing each week. You're the one running the championship, not me. You know, so, you know, at that point, I think there was a lot of respect mutual respect, I think. And I never really had a problem with Dale, you know, for, uh, after that. I mean, I think, and Ricky and I became friends after that, really. I mean, and so I think when you finally stand up for yourself and it's like a deal, like, you know, I'm not taking this. This is unacceptable behavior. I'm not taking it. I don't care who you are. Well, it's not like you were going out there and trying to wreck senior. No. You, you were being roughed I up. I was being roughed up and I was like, I didn't take it. And I, I mean, I drove my tail off, get back to him. And I put, I put it back on him. I was like, you know what? tit for tat mother, you know, I mean, I'm going at it. So those are the funny things, but it had to be Wilkesboro. I know a place that I really have no real great desire for. And I have two of the biggest incidents in my career at this place. So I'm looking forward to watching it because well, it'll bring back a lot of memories. You certainly do have a lot of recollection there though. And maybe because it is short and it is so technical and is tight, maybe it does bring out more of the, you know, roughing and rubbing is racing and, you know, maybe the tempers flare just well, a little bit more there. Back then it did because the racetrack was just worn out. I mean, you had no grip whatsoever and you're just hanging on. You have long runs, you know, and you're just hanging on, you're driving uphill and downhill. And then people just use you up, try to run you wide and, you know, make you get out of the gas, you know, and at that point, kind of pissy. And, you know, when somebody just hauls off and drills you and you may be having a bad day or it's not a place where you're really liking anyways, and you get pissy, then you're going to go ahead and you're going to put it right back on them. And then they want to get it back on you and you want to get it back on them, you know, and it's like, no one's been able to really wreck you or spin you out, but you find a way to just to keep doing it, you know? So it was just a, one of those that brought back a lot of memories for me when they say we're going to run the all-star race there. So instantly I got recollection of, you know, major altercations, you know, so. <laughs> well, um, maybe we'll see a few more. Yeah. But anyways, but that's, that's what it's going to be about. You know, I mean, here we are. So, uh, you know, it's uh all-star weekend. It's North Wilkesboro and should be uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of exciting things happening. We'll just see if there's anything uh, from Darlington that, spills over at uh, North Wilkesboro. Well, I think the fans are going to hope for that. So thanks everyone for listening in. As always, we appreciate your feedback. Go to DerekCope.club, check out what we're doing, and we appreciate everyone tuning in. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Cope and Instagram at Derek Cope 00. 
and leave a comment or question and use hashtag race theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.